My wife, she got in a car accident on September. Okay, she got in a car accident, not a bad one, not a bad car accident, really just a fender bender. So that morning, she goes into the Jenkintown station and she hits a car as she's parking. No big deal, don't, you know, you know it's okay. Uh, she, I think she called me and she's like, hey, boo, you know, I got in a car, I, I got in a fender bender, uh, what should I do? And I'm like, well, I think the obedient thing to do is to just leave a note and with your phone number and your name. So she leaves a note for the person with her phone number and her name. And then uh, shortly after that, she gets a call back from the person. And uh, it turns out that they are going to get it fixed and they're going to have us pay for it. It's okay. It is what it is. Accidents happen and we just have to do that. That's okay. Uh, some time goes on, and maybe like a week or two later, uh, we put Mackenzie down for the night, and we put her down for the night, and when that happened, Stephanie and I kind of do our, our own thing, like I was on my laptop, and she's texting, and she was texting like for a long time, somebody. I'm like, who are you texting? Who are you texting? She's like, oh, I'm texting uh, Carly, that girl from the car crash, Carly car crash. <laughs> I was like, really? What are you guys, like friends now? <laughs> She's like, uh, yeah, we're like besties now. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, all right. My antennas are up now. I'm like, interesting. Okay, God, what are you doing here? You know, we're now a part of these people's lives. They came to Mackenzie's birthday party back in October, okay? We go to their house for Halloween and walk around with the kids because they're just like us. They're our age. They have a daughter, like two years old, a year and a half old, just like us. We go to their house for Halloween. A couple weeks ago, they come to our house for a s'mores party, okay? And, and these are people who aren't Christian. God, I, know, I can smell God in this. From a little accident like that, this whole world now has opened up to us. We're meeting their friends, Right? One of their friends, this couple they know, it turns out, they live right next to us. <laughs> it's like, God, what are you doing here? Guys, we're engaging with the world like this, and God is opening up doors around us. He's opening up doors around us, and there's a way to walk. There's a way to walk in this as we engage with the world, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I don't know what God's going to do with this relationship. He may not do anything like super significant through us, but maybe this is just the start in their lives. Maybe it starts with us, and I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe down the road they meet somebody else. They may not come to Christ through us, and that's okay, but maybe this is just the catalyst to it. But there's a certain way that we have to walk, okay, and witness for Christ with these people, with our new friends, and that's what we're going to talk about today, God opening doors around us as we engage with the world. So let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much uh, for your word. I can't thank you enough uh, just for this opportunity to speak on your behalf. And I just pray that this word is just clear, clear to everybody here, and that uh, we come away knowing our mission and knowing Jesus uh, even just a little bit more, Lord. Uh, Lord, just speak through me, Lord, and uh, touch people's hearts, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, guys, so it's been quite a journey through Colossians, has it not been? I think this is the second to last uh, sermon that we have in Colossians. We've been learning about Jesus's identity, his identity, and how that should play out in our lives, how, that, uh, how we should live that out in our lives. So we've been learning about Jesus's identity, 
Now, through, so through Paul in chapters one and two, God, he's, he's given us so much truth about who Jesus is and what it means for us. In chapter three, uh, he then encourages the Colossians and subsequently us, because of all this, do this. So because of all this truth, put away your old self and put on the new self. Live in light of who you are in Christ and our new identity, and our, this new identity that we have, it frees us up to be who we're supposed to be in Christ because we're above with Christ. Don't try to work your way to Christ. Man, if you put your faith in the gospel, you are with Christ. So as a result of that, do this. Live it out in your life. Paul is reinforcing our identity in Christ, and our new identity frees us up to live in the new self. And to show us what it looks like, what was last week? Last week, Paul sets his sights on the household. He's like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take you into the household, and I'm gonna take you into the relationships in the household, and this is kind of what it looks like. God highly regards the household. He highly regards the household. So today, he takes us outside the household. He takes us outside the household, onto the streets, in our neighborhoods, at the mall, at Keenan and Nagel Advertising Agency, right here. Where do you guys work? Somebody tell me. Paul takes us to the food giant. Paul takes us to Leopold Builders, project sites. Paul takes us to Jefferson Hospital. Where's your favorite restaurant? McDonald's. Paul takes us to McDonald's. Paul takes us to Metropolitan Diner. I know you guys love Metropolitan Diner. Paul takes us outside of the household and into the streets and out into the world. And he's going to show us in the scripture how we engage with the world. Paul's even going to take us to Mary Kay pop-up parties. Amen. <laughs> guys, Jesus is a treasure. He's a treasure. But our new life in Christ is not merely to be enjoyed privately. No, not privately. It's for public consumption. People need to know who Jesus is. They need to see Jesus in us. We need to be sharing Christ with others. This is a challenging scripture today. It's challenging for me. When we know Christ and we grow in our relationship with him, we begin to pray like him. We begin to see like him. We begin to think like him. We begin to speak like Jesus. And as we grow in Christ-likeness, God positions us in other people's lives, and we become living tools of God as he grows his kingdom. God has positioned us in the lives of these people that we met through that car accident. Either he's positioned us or he's positioned them. I don't know, either way, we're positioned. We're positioned to do some work for God and we need to be patient with it and we need to be prayerful about it. We need to be watchful. Those are some things we're gonna talk about today. Let's read Colossians chapter four, verses two through six. Chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. It's up there on the screen. The scripture says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, 
being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Guys, why are we engaging the world? Why are we even doing it? We always got to start with why. You know, in our meetings at the church, we talk about, like, why? Why are we doing this? Everything we do, we need to ask why. Because we can't be doing everything. We need to know why we're doing what we're doing. So why are we even engaging with the world? We engage the world for a lot of reasons, to, to serve, to seek justice, right, to help the hurt, to help the broken. There's a lot of other reasons. But all those things that we do, it's really for one purpose as believers, It's so people can know Christ. They can come to know God through the work that we do. That's why we engage with the world. God wants nothing more than to be known, nothing more than to be known, because he knows how beneficial it is to people when we know him. He knows that, but we don't know that. We need to learn, and we need to grow in that. And he did this ultimately in sending his only son, Jesus Christ, And we know God by knowing Christ. So as a result, we should want what God wants, should we not? If God wants to be known, we should want God to be known, right? We should want God to be known. So that's our mission, is to make Christ known. He has given Jesus all authority over heaven and earth. And it is through Christ that we know God. And we're essentially to live out and make clear everything we've learned in the first two chapters of Colossians. That's what we're supposed to do. So, man, if you, if you, if you know somebody at work or you're at Hapro Horsham High School and you're, you come out of the FCA and, you know, you meet a kid in the, in, the, in the hallway, I don't know, maybe you get into some conversations and, hey, you know, I know, you know, you, I understand you may not believe, but um, would you be so kind to just, like, let's go through the book of Colossians. You're denying something that you've never read well, let's just read it so you can have a more informed decision. If you're going to deny it, do it in an informed way. So walk them through Colossians. And this is what we've seen in the first two chapters in Colossians on the, on the screen. Guys, look at this. Look at this truth that Paul gives us. In whom, he's talking about Jesus. In whom we have redemption. In him, all things were created. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell reconciled in his body of flesh, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. In him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. In him, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So when you're in the hallway at Hatboro Horsham High School, just say all that. <laughs> I'm kidding. We should have some basic understanding of our faith, though. This is what we've learned the past eight or nine weeks in Colossians. This is what we're dealing with. This is the truth that people need to know, and we can walk with somebody through Scripture and just and dialogue over it. Guys, this is why we engage with people, so people can know the truth of God in Christ. Guys, so how do we engage with the world? How do we do it? Well, the first thing there in the text, we engage the world prayerfully. We cannot engage the world the way God wants us to without prayer. We cannot do it. We need to tune into God's frequency, and we need to do this prayerfully. Prayer moves God. Prayer, it doesn't make God do things. It doesn't manipulate God to do things. Prayer stirs God's heart, and it aligns ourselves with God and what he's doing and his will. It aligns ourselves with his will. So prayer moves God. We need to be praying Man, I learned so much in 2011 uh, when my wife and I first moved up here from Georgia. I was a raw Christian, a raw Christian. We plug into Keith's Sunday night small group, his Sunday night small group, Keith's leads, and we're going through the book Experiencing God by Blackaby. I don't know if you've heard of that book. And I'm learning all these new concepts about how to experience God that I had never heard of. And one of them was pray and ask this, God, Show me where you're working. <laughs> Show me where you're working. I had never heard of that. I didn't know that was something you could ask God. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome, okay. So, you know, Keith gives us an assignment, you know, for between now and when we meet next Sunday. Everybody pray that prayer. Ask God, show me where you're working, and then when we come back next Sunday, let's share what we've experienced. So, yeah. So I pray, man, God, show me where you're working. God starts opening up doors left and right. And I don't know if it's because they were already there and I'm just seeing them now, or they're, they're fresh new things that have come up by the grace of God. Whatever it is, God started showing me where he was working. I was blown away by this. I was like, man, I want more of this. Guys, we need to pray. We need to be prayerful. We need to ask God, God, show me where you're working. Show me where you're working. Jesus prayed like no other. He prayed like no other. He aligned himself with the Father's will, and then he did his will. He obeyed him. As we grow in Christ-likeness and we engage with the world, we begin to pray like Jesus. We begin to pray like Jesus, and our hearts align with Jesus. And we start to see things and what God is doing around us. Man, the next thing we need to do in that scripture, so we've prayed. Guys, we need to be watchful. We need to be watchful. Are our antennas up? Are they up? Or are we going about our day like, you know, just like half dead, just sleepy all the time, you know, or are our heads like on a swivel? I'm not saying like literally walking around like this. <laughs> you get my point though. Guys, are we watching for God? Are we focusing and are we scanning our environment? 
God, I want to know where you're working. Show it to me. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm paying attention. Guys, is the church looking out on a sleeping world, searching for what God is doing? Or is the world looking out on a sleeping church? Is the world looking out on a sleeping church? That's a hard question we have to ask. I don't always walk around focused and scanning. We got so many things going on in, my, in our family. And it's convicting, but that's a good thing because God's pinching me. He pinched me with this scripture as I prepared for it. We need to be focused and scanning and watching for God. Jesus was sensitive too, and he was watchful for what the Father was doing. He was, he was sensitive to his surroundings. And as we grow in Christ-likeness, we begin to see like Jesus. We begin to have his antennas and see what God is doing, see events and see moments and see people in our lives around us, see open doors. We start to see open doors that were probably always there. We just didn't recognize it because we weren't paying attention, right? I love the story about Jesus and Zacchaeus. There's so much truth in that scripture. Jesus, he's, he's walking through town surrounded by hundreds of people, right? And then, he, you know, he sees this guy in a tree, Zacchaeus. Now, to be in a tree in that culture, it's beneath your dignity to go climbing trees. It's not like that today, but back then it was. Nobody climbs trees back then. And here's Jesus surrounded by hundreds of people you know, he, he could easily just be like, oh my gosh, like there's hundreds of people. That's what I would do. If I'm surrounded by hundreds of people, I'm not very focused. I'm just overwhelmed by this, the presence of this massiveness of these people. And Jesus is just like, he notices this guy in a tree. He's like, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. <laughs> Let's go to your house. And they go to his house. And Zacchaeus basically gives his life to Christ. He repents. Jesus noticed Zacchaeus in the tree. Would we notice that? Because I, I don't know about you. I don't walk around the streets just looking at trees. There's people in your life that are in trees. Not literally. I'm being figurative right now. Guys, we need to be focused and we need to be scanning. A couple weeks ago, uh, during the second service, during the second service, I had to go out to my car to grab something because we had to pass along some stuff to another couple in the church. So during the second service, I go outside, I start walking to the car, and in the distance in the field over here, I notice this like older guy. This guy's just out there like hitting golf balls. He's just hitting golf balls out there on the field. I'm like, what's this guy doing? So I walk to my car, and I, I, I knew guy was like, go talk to him. Go talk to him. I was like, oh, man, I really don't, I just want to get back in the service. And I just knew God was tugging me. So I go to my car, and on my way back, I'm like, all right. So I trek out there into the field, and I just introduce myself to this guy. Because I know this guy's hitting golf balls. I used to be a PGA golf professional. I can have that conversation. I can have that conversation. I can approach this guy and have that conversation. And that can be a bridge towards our, any, any, any kind of conversation that we have. We have a great conversation. Bob is his name, and he lives just up here in the neighborhood. 
Would I normally see that? I don't know. But that day I did. That day I did. And I don't know what God's doing. We didn't talk about Christ. We didn't talk about the gospel. I just told him, hey, I'm Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. You know, if you need anything, let us know. Like I said, we didn't talk about Jesus, but now he has a face on the church. He has a voice on the church, right? So now I need to be prayerful. God, open up another door. Where's the next door with this guy? Open up another door. Maybe he'll come Christmas. I don't know, because we're going to go out and give uh, invitations to people in the neighborhood. I need to be prayerful of that. I need to follow up with that, which I haven't yet. But we had that conversation, and we have to see that when it's happening in our life. Guys, how, how else do we engage with the world? We need, we're, we need to be walking in wisdom. That's what the text says, walking in wisdom and making the best use of our time, following Jesus as God's pattern for full and authentic living. That's walking in wisdom. It's godly wisdom that we get through a relationship with Jesus and walking in full and authentic living. Our lives are to reflect his living. It's his living. It's a life that follows the pattern of godly wisdom. That is what's going to lay the foundation for our witness to the world, is walking like Christ. As we grow in Christ, we begin to think like Christ. Right? So far, so we be, as we grow in Christ, we begin to pray like Christ. As we grow in Christ, we become watchful like Christ. We see like Christ. Now, as we grow in our Christ-likeness, we begin to think like Jesus in our moment-to-moment and day-to-day life. And we assume his wisdom. We assume his wisdom. And through his wisdom, it's, it's just knowing what to say. Knowing what to say and when to say it, knowing what to do and when to do it, we call it like gospel fluency here at the church. I don't know if we made that up or I don't know. Gospel fluency, knowing what to say, when to say it, knowing what to do, when to do it, how to say it. We need to make the best use of our time. I coach a, I coach a high school golf team at Harriton High School in the Lower Marion District. Uh, it's been four years now. The, past, the previous three seasons, it's, I've been gaining just massive amounts of trust with these kids and these parents. Uh, humbly speaking, I'm not going to lie, these, these kids and these parents love me. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks. Guys, I've been gaining trust with these kids and these parents, making investments. I care about these kids. I feel like God has me in this position to be an influence in these kids' lives, and it's been pouring over into their parents. It's been pouring over into their parents. And just recently, last week, we had our end-of-season banquet last Friday, and this, this year, this season, my fourth season has been a breakthrough year. I've been just plowing and gaining trust with these kids, and there's been gospel conversations with these kids this season, finally. And finally, at this banquet, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes, like, I'll make a speech at our end-of-season banquet. I'm just going to preach something in Scripture. There's no believers on this team. None of these parents are believers. It's a predominantly Jewish school. So I pick out Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Guys, 
I didn't preach the gospel. I didn't preach Jesus to them, but I, I wanted to take the next step in this whole process. I wanted to just put a little bit of scripture into their lives. None of these kids have ever read scripture. And I, just, I wanted to just give them something, you know, something to kind of bridge. You know, they see why I do what I do. They know I'm a pastor. You know, they, see, they know why I do what I do. And now I want to, like, bridge that with some scripture. I want to keep coming at them, but I, I got to do it wisely because I can't, I can't just lose my, my position of influence. I can't do something really stupid. I'm not saying preaching the gospel and telling somebody about Jesus is stupid, but I got to do it wisely because in, in these schools, you can lose your position of influence like that, and boom, you've lost your ability to tell them about the gospel later. I need to maintain this position of influence. So I preached this little five-minute sermon on Proverbs 27, 17. They loved it. They loved it. I don't, and they, they've never heard Scripture like that. So now I need to pray, God, open another door. Keep working here. You know, keep using me. Keep, keep giving me things that I can do to continue this wheel as it turns with these kids. And God has been doing that. He's been doing that. What else do we need to do as we engage with the world? We need to be letting our speech be gracious. That's a hard one. Graciousness, seasoned with salt, Paul says. Seasoned with salt. Guys, what is your default speech? Like, what's your default attitude in conversations? Maybe like you're being attacked or somebody's on the offensive against you. What's your default speech? Is it defensiveness and, and attacking back? As we grow in Christ, our default should be changing to graciousness, to graciousness and patience under any circumstance, any circumstance. As we grow in Christ, we begin to speak like Jesus. We begin to speak like him. And our default changes. And it's not just in conversations specifically about Jesus. It's not just those conversations. It's anything. Look what the text says. It says always, always. And he means that. At all times are we to carry ourselves with graciousness and patience. Guys, it's any conversation. It's political conversations. Man, we've learned a lot in this election season there has not been a lot of graciousness going on, even amongst the church, even within the church. Christians have not been gracious in this season. Political conversations, it's football conversations. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's football conversations with friends. It's tumultuous conversations in our families that may have nothing to do with Jesus. We are always, always to be carrying ourselves with graciousness. Witnessing for Christ isn't just when I'm asked specifically about Jesus. Witnessing for Christ is also when somebody asks me what I think about the eagles. <laughs> I won't tell you what I think about the eagles. <laughs> I love the eagles so much. Guys, in 2005, there was introduced a whole new way of engaging with the world, social media. 
It has totally revolutionized the way we engage with the world. We need to be graciousness, be gracious on Facebook, on social media. We're not seeing a lot of that, even in the church. We're not always. Just remember that word, always. We're supposed to be carrying ourselves with graciousness of Jesus. Does our speech awaken people's sleeping spirituality? Is it seasoned with salt? Is it interesting? Does it awaken people's spirit, sleeping spirituality like smelling salt awakens somebody that's unconscious? You know, you put smelling salt in their, their nose, and it's like, Ugh. Yeah, that's another figurative thing. Like the way we're talking, we're not going to, you know, garner that kind of response. But guys, maybe in their hearts, are we garnering their that kind of a response? Are we like shaking their hearts and their minds because our speech is so seasoned with salt? That's convicting. I don't know what mine is. Maybe it is up here in the pulpit, but in my everyday life, I can't say that it is, honestly. It's not seasoned with salt. But it's a process as we grow like Christ. Guys, what else? Are we prepared to answer each person? What the text says there. Are we prepared to answer each person? People are going to ask us questions. We need to be prepared. We should have some mastery over the basics of our faith. All that scripture that was up there on the screen earlier, man, we don't have to just like blurt that out and just like have it memorized, although, you know, we probably should memorize it, but we should have some mastery about the basics of our faith and how we've experienced it so we can communicate it with somebody else with ease, with fluidity. Guys, as I've been coaching this high school golf team, again, this year was a breakthrough year. And we're going to a match, and some of the team is on the bus, and I usually drive to the matches. And I had three kids in my car driving to this match, and on my dashboard, I got, like, my Riverside business cards on the dashboard. And they all know I'm a pastor, and the kid in the front seat, like, grabs a car. He's like, yo, coach. <laughs> I'm just driving. Yo, coach, so you're like a pastor, man? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am, man. He's like, so what do you do? <laughs> like, what exactly do you do? Like, what does a pastor do? And I'm just like, yeah, that's a great question, man. I mean, we really try and, like, make Scripture alive in people's lives and teach them about God's mercy and God's love and God's grace and, and God's forgiveness in Christ. And we really try and make the gospel come alive. And the other kid in the back seat, Max, he's like, Coach, what's the gospel? <laughs> I'm just like... Okay, you don't know what the gospel is? He's like, no, I don't. I'm like, do you want to know? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So I start telling him, like, the gospel. Uh, this happened. I've been praying about this. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was caught off guard. I really was. I was totally caught off guard by this. So I'm not, I'm not like a gospel-preaching robot. I'm, I'm just like you guys. I, I, there's tension, there's frustration, there's, there's a little bit of struggle. I'm caught off guard, and I do the best I can with it, and I, I, I communicate, like, the basics of the gospel 
and things like that. I don't know what God's going to do with that, but I do know how that all transpired in my car. (laughs) I just shared the gospel with three high school kids. I can get fired for that. But hey, they asked, right? You can't get fired for that. But these kids trust me. They really do trust me. Like, they have an interest in me. They like me a lot. And I'm pretty sure these kids are not going to get me fired because they don't want to lose their coach. But that, that was a great instance of being prepared to answer to people when they ask. And it happened right in my car there. Guys, I believe open doors are all around us. They're all around us. Guys, think to yourself, in preparation for the open door, what do I want to say? Commit it to memory or something. I was convicted after that instance, man, I want to do this better. I need to do this better. I did an okay job there in that situation, but I need to, I need to commit something to memory that when somebody asks me, I need to have that in memory and I need to be able to communicate it very clearly and interestingly, interestingly. Reach out to one of us at the church. Man, that's what we're here for. We're here to equip you. If you're having trouble, man, I'm just not good at sharing the gospel. Sit down with one of us, me, Keith, or Ezra. We're not like super gospel-sharing experts, you know? We're growing and learning too, but we can help you prepare for this. That's our job is to equip you for the work of ministry, not just in your families, in your homes, but also outside in the streets. Guys, I believe open doors are all around us. We just don't recognize them. Why don't we recognize them? We're not paying attention. But you know what? I I think we also don't recognize them because I think a lot of times we're watching over our own personal kingdom. I think we are. We all have one. We all have a little personal kingdom. I do. I have one. And too often it can outsize God's kingdom in our lives, and we miss. We miss and we overlook. We miss and we overlook and ignore, maybe ignore what God's doing. You know what? I have my little personal kingdom here, and I'm seeing what this open door, but I can't do it because it's going to compromise my little kingdom We're paying too much attention to our little personal kingdom. Guys, we look at it as people infringing on our kingdom, whereas God looks at it as here's a person inching towards my kingdom. Here's a person inching towards my kingdom. How are we viewing it? The gospel calls us to be radically relational. It does. It calls us to be radically relational. We want to do God's work but too often we want to do God's work at arm's length from people, right? And then when that happens, our interactions with people and and relationships, we start treating people like business transactions. I've experienced this before in my witnessing for Christ. We treat them like business transactions. We're to engage with people genuinely, and in a real way, in the normal rhythms of our life. The stories I've told you, that's just the normal rhythms of my life, man. Coaching a high school golf team, there's opportunities. Going out there in the field during a service at the church, I mean, they're everywhere. Stephanie in the Jenkintown train station, hitting a car, 
Now we're like great friends with like these people. That's a normal rhythm of life. We don't always hit cars, I'm just saying. <clears throat> it's a normal rhythm of life. Guys, we're to cultivate genuine relationships, relate with others, not just peer into their worlds and then step back. We're to actually step into their worlds because that's what Jesus did. A lot of times, an open door from God, it simply depends on how willing we are to open our own door to people around us. I know God, he's not calling you to send, like, I know for a fact he's not calling you to send 30,000 Evites to the Hatboro Horsham population for a s'mores party at your house. I know he's not doing that. But I do know, for a fact, I know every single one of you, God has positioned you uniquely and has given you a sphere of influence, whether it's your direct neighbors around you or it's where you work, where you work, where you shop, I don't know. He has uniquely positioned you around all of these people and that's where it happens. That's where it happens. But are we looking at our sphere of influence like that? Are we looking at it that way? Guys, reaching them for Christ is going to come down to how willing you are to open your door to them. We should be giving people some access to our lives. We should. We should be giving people some access to our lives because it's really access to the kingdom. It's really access to the kingdom that they may not have otherwise. Jesus lived his life liberally. He gave his life liberally. And the gospel calls us to be liberal with our lives. Jesus wasn't a liberal. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. He gave his life liberally. And he lived his life liberally. He was generous. We should be generous with the access of our lives, with our home, and opening up our doors to others. You know, these verses, they seem so simple, yet if we're honest with ourselves, they're so simple, and yet, man, they are challenging, and they're actually very difficult. I'm sure a lot of you, when you read the Scripture, you know, speak graciously, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, I, I do that all the time, yeah. And then, you know, later on in the day, like maybe I'll see you on Facebook just railing into somebody I don't know. Yeah, some of you are like. <laughs> Guys, they make these, these verses make us uncomfortable. They do because it, ch it challenges us. We struggle with the call to witness for Christ. We struggle with prayer. We struggle with being watchful. Do we not? We struggle with walking in wisdom and speaking graciously. We struggle with making the best use of our time. I struggle with that. We struggle with knowing what to say and when to say it. We also don't need to put too much pressure on ourselves because witnessing for Christ, it's actually not a movement of ourselves. It's a movement of God working in and through us. So we don't have to put too much pressure on ourselves and just be like all religious about witnessing for Christ. Guys, just we're above with Christ. We need the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. We need the word dwelling richly in our hearts. That's the challenge for today, is the word dwelling richly in our hearts. 
and is, is the peace of Christ dwelling in our hearts. It always goes back to being above with Christ in, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. We're above with Christ. We are hidden with Christ. Our identity is in Christ. And as a result of this freedom, we can allow these truths to propel us to grow in Christ-likeness. So we can be prayerful. We can because we're above with Christ. We can be watchful because we're above with Christ. We can walk in wisdom because we're above with Christ. We can speak graciously because we're above with Christ. We're positioned with Christ. We can do this in Christ's strength. That's our identity. We can walk in wisdom because we are above with Christ. I want to take a minute here as we, as we close up. One minute. The band can come up. Guys, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray two prayers today. It's a, it's a two-prayer day. This first prayer. Guys, I want us all to take a minute and just bow your heads. I want everybody to pray, God, show me where you're working. God, open a door. Maybe there already is an open door in my life. I'm just not recognizing it. If that's the case, God, help me to recognize it. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray that prayer for a minute as the band plays a little bit of music. God, show me a door. God, show me where you're working.